Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. I'm Robert Killingsworth. The audio for this episode comes from a sermon that was given during one of our Sunday services. We hope you are encouraged and inspired by today's word. I've always been curious about what caused people to change and why some people never change. Um, how do you deal with your character flaws? The things that, that haunt you, that hurt other people, that hurt you. Um, I, I want to just confess that you don't change by going to church. Um, I read a study by Barner, George Barner, the other day. He said that 37% of Americans go to some kind of religious service um, regularly, occasionally, a mosque, a synagogue, a church, something. Um, but only 13% says it makes any difference in their lives. That's really interesting. 13%, that's, that's not much. So how can you change? Most of us have something in our lives that really does need to shift. Some kind of change needs to take place. How does that happen? How can that happen for you? I've been struggling with that recently doing some reflection about my own life and the lives of others. And I went back and reread this story, the story of uh, one of the patriarchs. There were three of them, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, Jacob particularly interests me. His grandfather was Abraham. Abraham was the one that lived in sort of retirement in the Ur of Chaldees. He's 75 years old and God calls him and says, I want you to go here and I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I'll let you know when you get there. <laughs> he has a son named uh, Isaac. Isaac is born when he's, his father is 100 years old and Sarah is 90. He's probably slightly mentally retarded. I'm serious. Um, he was born when his parents were very old. He gets fooled all the time. He can't find his own wife. His father has to send someone to find a wife for him. And his children are Esau and Jacob. They were twins, not identical twins. Very, very different, all in water. Uh, Esau was a man's man. He was ruddy. He was red-faced. He hunted all the time. Uh, Jacob was kind of feminine. He hung around his mama all the time. He was very fair-skinned much like her family. So she was 
She, she specially loved this boy. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the things in Genesis you find out is, is, is dysfunctional families uh, originate in Genesis. Uh, the, the, Abraham had two children, really, Ishmael and, and Jacob. He preferred Jacob to Ishmael. And so his son... Isaac has two boys, and they end up preferring one over the other. And Jacob ends up preferring one over the other. Dysfunctional families just kind of flow through the system. These two twins, they were competitive from the beginning. When uh, Esau is born, Jacob is grabbing at his heel. Uh, and, and, and they were competitive all the while. Um, with the help of his mother, he ended up stealing Esau's birthright. A birthright was a big deal. It, it means you, you have a double share of the inheritance. Uh, in other words, because there were two of them, he would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance. But Esau came in from a hunt, evidently he'd been gone for days, starving to death, and his brothers got a, a, a whole pot of, of uh, stew going, and he exchanges his birthright for a mess of pottage, the Scripture says. He's not completely a wise person, uh, uh, Then later on, uh, Rebecca, uh, uh, Isaac's wife, overhears that, uh, that Esau is being sent out for a hunt to come back with uh, some meat and prepare it very carefully for his dad. And his dad's going to give him his blessing. And while Esau is gone, she quickly puts together a plan to steal the blessing from his father. Now, you, you may think a, a blessing is just not, a, not very important. Blessing is incredibly important. Um, if you received a blessing from your parents you probably don't think about it. If you didn't get it, you think about it every day. That thing that is missing from your life that haunts you. <laughs> Jacob wanted his father's blessing. And so the mother, uh, she prepares some food and they skin the animal and they put the animal skin all over his body so that when the old blind man feels, he thinks he's in the presence of Esau, but really he's been in the presence of Jacob. The meat is fixed in such a way that it's savory, like something wild that that Esau would have uh, killed. And they come in and, and he says, I'm your son, Esau, I'm here for your blessing. And the old man says, well, you smell, you feel, 
like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. No, no, I'm Esau. And he receives the blessing of his father. Well, pretty soon Esau comes in and prepares the, the food and brings it in. And, and, and he finds out that the blessing is gone. He says these plaintive words, can't you bless me too? But the blessing intended for him has been stolen. And Esau says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Fratricide. I'm going to kill you. And the mother sends him in the night to her brother's house. Now, in the ancient world, people didn't travel alone. They traveled in caravans. It's dangerous to travel alone. Uh, it's dangerous to be out there. They're marauders out there. They're thieves. They're, they're highwaymen. They're, they're, they're bad people out there. And he's out there alone in the middle of the night. And the roof was the stars. And his head, the pillow, was a stone. And he had a dream. You know, the interesting thing is, he's a bad person. He's a very bad person. You know what his name is? His name is Jacob. You know what Jacob means? It means deceiver. Thief, liar, conniver, manipulator. That's what the word means. I've always been curious about words like that, names. Uh, did it mean that when they gave it to him? <laughs> or, or, or did because of his behavior it come to mean that? I mean, where, where do these names come from? I mean, <laughs> he's out there. He's a bad person. This is not someone you want to get in a business deal with. I mean, this guy will, will steal you blind. And guess what? He senses in this dream that God is with him. Isn't that interesting? That we can be bad people and God can be with us. There's a psalm about that. He said, even when I make my bed in hell, I discover you're there. I don't know if you've ever had that experience when you're, when you're not doing well, when you're doing things that are bad, when you've, when you've made a mess of your life, you have a sense that God is with you. It's strange. In fact, there were, while he's dreaming, he sees angels ascending and descending. I think that's interesting. They're not descending and ascending they're ascending, and in other words, the angels were with him on earth. <laughs> he named the place Bethel. If you don't know anything about Hebrew, anytime you see the last two letters of a word ending in E-L, it means God. House of God. Bethel. House of God. Wow. He continues on. He ends up at his uncle's house and he sees one of his daughters. Don't, don't let it bother you that, that people are marrying their first cousins. Uh, this goes on all the time in the ancient world. <laughs> in fact, the Bedouins do it today. Uh, if you, it, may, it may cost you, you know, 
10 or 12 sheep to get your first cousin. He, he sees her, her name is Rachel. She is gorgeous. And Laban says, okay, I'll let you have her, but you've got to work seven years. <laughs> he works seven years, seems like one day, because he just can't live without this woman. And he marries her, or he thinks he's her. Wakes up the next morning, discovers he's married the older sister, Leah. <laughs> That's why they don't use veils anymore in weddings. <laughs> he, 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 he didn't know what he had. It was in the middle of the night, you know, he's in a tent. My gosh, you know, he wakes up the next morning and, 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 and Laban, <laughs> you can trick a tricker. Uh, you know, Laban, he's, that, that manipulation uh, gene didn't fall far from the tree. I mean, it, he said, well, you know, in our, where we are, you got to marry the oldest daughter off first. So if you really want Rachel, you got to work seven more years. And he did. He ended up prospering unbelievably. There, there, was a, there was a chapter or two in there about how it happened. He, he ends up with flocks and goats and all kinds of animals and servants. And he's got wives. He's got 11 children. And finally, he senses that he really needs to go home. So he starts home. And he, he sort of divides up his property and sort of sets some property along to give to give to his brother because he I mean this guy is sworn to kill him <laughs> and he uh he sends word ahead to Esau say I'm, I'm coming Esau lived incidentally I don't know if you've ever been to Petra uh that's where he lived he carved that thing out of the uh, out of that red stone that's where the word Esau means red and, and he carves this thing out. It, he lives in Edom. He sends word to Edom, I'm on my way home. And uh, Esau sends word back. So that's great. Look forward to seeing you. He, I'm coming with 400 armed men. <laughs> and, and what does he do? He's a manipulator. Okay? That's his character. So what does he do? He manipulates he puts uh, a bunch of the stuff up ahead and he, he, he gets people in sort of caravan style and separates them out and, and he tells everybody, when, when, you, when you see my brother, tell him I'm back here and this is a gift from me. <laughs> He's hoping to wear him down. And then he does something which is terrible. He puts all these these servants and all these, these uh, herds in front of him. Then he puts his wife and his children on the other side of the river and he goes on this side of the river. This is not chivalry, okay? I mean, he's willing to sacrifice. He, they're gonna die before he dies. This guy is a first-class deceiver manipulator, bad person. And, and he's alone 
on the other side of the Jabbok River. I've been there. And he rustles. All night long, he rustles. I don't know if you've ever had to come to terms with yourself where you finally just, I got to deal with me, with who I really am. That's what he did that night. He wrestled with an angel. I don't know if you've ever wrestled, but if you can wrestle for three minutes, you've done a good job. Wrestling all night, it's exhausting. It uses every, every muscle in your body when you wrestle. To wrestle all night long. What's he wrestling with? He's wrestling with who he is and who he's been. He comes face to face. He has a moment of truth, a moment of reality when he faces who he is. He wrestles all night long with this angel. Finally, the morning comes. And he says, uh, the angel says, let me go. He said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Remember the blessing? It's about who you are. And the angel said, tell me your name. What do you mean? God's forgotten my name? What what do you mean? Who are you? My name is Jacob. Manipulator. Thief. Liar. Conniver. Deceiver. That's who I am. And you know what the angel said? That's not who you are anymore. From now on, you're Israel, prince. Who are the Jewish people called? The children of Israel. (laughs) But before he left, The angel touched the nerve in his thigh. And from that day on, Jacob walked with a limp. That story haunts me. You know why? Because if you really want to change, if you really want to be fundamentally different, you've got to do what he did. You've got to wrestle with who you really are, with who you've been. You've got to tell the truth. You've got to stop denying. You've got to stop alibying. You've got to blaming it on other people, my family system, my mother. You've got to cut that out. And you got to come to terms with the pain you have caused other people and yourself. That's hard.
when St. Paul is uh, having his conversion experience, he hears, uh, he hears Jesus say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Don't you know it hurts to kick against the goads, the, the spikes that, that are placed so that a, 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 an oxen who's rebelling against his master will kick the spike and create pain for himself. Don't you understand? You've got to come to terms with the pain you have brought into your own life and how you've brought pain into the lives of other people. You can't change until you do that. And somehow you've got to get alone and wrestle with all this stuff. You say, well, I don't want to do that. You won't change then. It's painful. It's hard. And you've got to admit who you really are. What is your name? My name is Deceiver. I I go to AA meetings. You know what they say there? My name's Jim. And I'm an alcoholic. You gotta come, you gotta name it. You gotta tell the truth and name what you really are. You won't change if you don't. You keep running from it and and you won't change. And then (laughs) you gotta have this amazing thing to happen. You got to discover that you really aren't that deceiver. You're really a prince. (laughs) Let me tell you why that's important. You always act consistently with the way you view yourself. If you see yourself as a liar, you will lie. If you see yourself as someone that has too much integrity to do that, you won't do it anymore. How you see yourself is very important. (laughs) And do you know what God is saying to you right now? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now? You are my beloved daughter, my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that amazing? That that God would say to Jacob, your name is Prince? That God would say to you, you are my beloved daughter, my child, my son, in whom I am well. I tell you, the way you view yourself is definitive. It changes everything. You can't change your behavior until you change the way you view yourself. (laughs) But the end of this story is the most telling part. Then the angel touched the nerve in his thigh and he walked with a limp from then on. No more arrogance no more pride. 
humility because you know that the only reason you are a prince is because of the grace of God. And so the rest of your life, you have to walk with a limp. You know what I'm talking about? You show me a person that has changed and I'll show you someone that walks with a limp. I used to be a pastor. I've had, I don't know how many, hundreds, thousands maybe. People come to me, tell me their stories, spill out their guts, tell me about terrible things they've done. (laughs) You know what I used to say to them? Said the same thing every time. I said, well, you've lost something and you'll never get it back. You'll never get it back. Whatever right you thought you had to look down at other people, to judge other people, to think you're better than other people, whatever right you thought you had to throw rocks at other people is gone. You have no right to do that. And if you can live with that, you'll probably be all right. But if I see you doing that, I'm going to kick your rear end. (laughs) Because people who've changed, we all walk with a limp. You hear me? Anybody need to change? Don't listen to me. Listen to Jacob. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church.